Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. The Bachelor of Hearts podcast, The Bachelor in Paradise podcast that asks the question, Xavi, who is Toothless Terry and how <laughs> might I access him, please? Hmm, him, her, they? We, I guess we don't really know. This the is story true. remains untold. We know not a thing about Toothless Tez. I know this, though. I am Max Quinn, marooned in the ocean. On the back of a giant inflatable pink flamingo is my friend Xavier Retsky Noonan. <laughs> I, I seem to need help again. I, seem to, I mean, this is right, and you're you're right to notice this. You're even me. raising your hand right now. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I mean, do we need to uh, co-opt another Osher Ginsburg franchise, Bondi Rescue? Is that also Osh? Well, he's the voiceover. Oh, of course. Yeah. I yeah. was like, wait a minute. Is he down on the beach in the speedos? I don't watch that show. He could no. well be. Who knows? I probably would if he was. we got a lot to consider here mm. on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, but it is boys only this episode, Save The two amigos, the two <laughs> days of Christmas, the uh, the two triplets. Mm-hmm. The two wise men. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. We're, we are frankincense and myrrh. Mm-hmm. And no gold, except <laughs> solid gold jokes and commentary. It's what we love oh, here on the BOH pod. There's so much to break down from the last two episodes of The Bachelor. Uh, including the big awful fight plus the return question mark of Keely. Uh, and finally, a win for Brittany. I was so happy about this. Yeah. I don't yeah. know which one you're talking about. Okay. Which win? Not the one that you're thinking. Okay. Let's put it that way. Uh, but first, let's go back to this. The question at hand, who is Toothless Terry? Well, okay. So it, it is, I mean, Toothless Terry is a specter that looms large over these two episodes. And I'm glad that we're not covering four episodes of television in one go so that we can really get into the nitty gritty on some of these this people. This is what's important. Because I worry, you know, we did a quite a jo- good job in our last episode of trying to cover everything, but yeah. I worry that things like this might fall between the cracks. These are the things that you can't afford to get into when you podcast for four hours straight. That four hour podcast was like a runaway freight train. And, you know, we need to be the Denzel Washington and Chris Pine who are able to be driving another smaller train engine that catches up to the first train engine, which is going really fast with no one driving it, and then hooks up to the train and then they have to climb over and onto it and so they can then press the brake to make it it slow down because it's got dangerous chemicals on it and also lots of little kids. This is the film Dangerous Chemicals. That's right. That's right, (laughs) yeah. The train that couldn't slow down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you say... uh, uh, Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. Correct. I would like to say instead uh, Snoop Dogg and Lil Kieran. <laughs> really sensational segue. Thank you. I was going to say like Chris Pine or maybe like Chris Palm, like the palm trees they have in Fiji. Oh, yeah, or like the palm that rose to my face when we 
talked about Kieran's hairstyle. Oh, so that's basically how we started. Oh, but that was tonight. We that should... was the second episode tonight. We will certainly get there. I do want to say, firstly, uh, if you're missing some context here, Toothless Terry uh, is a man that Kira uh, in Confessional says that Cass has been hanging out to meet in paradise. We uh, learned firstly that she passed up on Gummy Gordon and then <laughs> Dentures Darren did not have much of a shot either. I don't know what's Is Gummy going Gordon um, just a person with a lot of gums or yeah. like a chewy lolly? Oh, that's really... I think you get a packet of Gummy Gordons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Okay, so maybe what are we looking at? Molars only mark. <laughs> it's a real mouthful Yeah, here. I think so. There it is on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. I think that we should move forward. Do we have any breaking news? Do we have anything to to chew on, to masticate? <laughs> Not with our teeth. No. no okay. nothing really. It hasn't been that long. All right. If we're being real. Yeah. Um, we're not, not really chomping it. Chomping no. it this time, Zave. Let's no. break it all down as we move forward. Recapping The Bachelor in Paradise, Season 3, Episodes fucking 900 and 901. <laughs> it's been a long week, folks. Yeah. Yes. Oh, as we do for Paradise, we're breaking it down couple by couple. I say couple by couple. It's more like triangle by triangle. Right. Yeah. Because nobody is strictly... I mean, there are a couple of couples. Yeah, and ironically, they're the couples of couples that don't really receive... As much screen time as we want them to. And frankly, we probably won't be talking about them all that much either. Right, because how can we talk about what's not on the show? Right. We begin with Cass and Brittany and eventually also Garlo. The stakes as we left them are that Cass promised that she wouldn't give Garlo a rose at the most recent rose ceremony. Right. Uh, and then Cass very much did give Garlo a rose at the most recent rose ceremony, mm. breaking her promise... Not to give Galo a rose at the most recent rose ceremony. Yeah, it was a bit of an uh, the old classic old switcher. Give a rose to Galo when you said you weren't going to. Yes, when yes. you promised that you wouldn't when at you the said rose ceremony. The opposite of that, and then you did that, and and that's the that's what you did. Now this is her prerogative, uh, just as it is Brittany's prerogative to feel upset by it, and you know if you know anything about Brittany, my prerogative is a big you know that's a big one for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you um but give you, me more of those yeah uh, good 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 um but uh yeah Brittany and Galo have kissed and she felt there was some romance bubbling it's a very basic love triangle between Galo and Brittany and Cass yeah but where things begin to sort of get more complicated is in the hours and days after and it plays out particularly in confessional mm. so Cass is presented as kind of acting one way to Britney's face, which is still like not a particularly kind way, but then as you know, like doubling down and act, acting in an extra unkind way in confessional. Mm. Cass says that it feels to her like Britney has ownership over Jacko and that her happiness is just as important as the next person's. So the cognitive dissonance here is that Cass's choice to act in accordance with her own self-interest is not being questioned, right? Mm. This is not what we're scrutinizing. What, where scrutinizing is Cass's decision to break a promise to Brittany. Right. Basically. Yeah. And she, but she's speaking confessional like, no, I can do what I want with Galo. Yeah. And what's happening on the island is Cass needlessly hurt Brittany. And after the rose ceremony, Cass says to Brittany, can I talk to you? You can see that she's sort of like guilty trying to make amends. And Brittany says, no, justifying herself uh, by saying that I would say the wrong thing in the wrong moment, and I don't want to be this person. That rules. Yeah. Like, I think that's emotionally responsible decision-making, 
And she earns criticism from Cass in, in confessional who says, calm down, take a chill pill. Which the irony of that seems to be like, that's exactly what Brittany is doing in this moment. She seems to have a bit more chill. Yeah. There's a bit of like, okay, cool. I'm feeling out what my emotions are. Mm. I'm just going to take a step back from this. Yeah. And if I engage with you in conflict right now, and we're going to see it later play out in a completely different way where Brittany's like, no, I know what my emotions are and I'm going to step away from that. Yeah. And then a little bit later, some of the boys are going to be like, no, I'd very much like to engage with conflict in you right now. Right. Yes. Yeah. Emotions. We've got plenty. Here we are. Yeah. And do we know how to deal with them? Absolutely not. No. Well, we know one way. <laughs> the next morning, the girls are attempting to convince Cass to apologize to Brittany for lying. And Cass says, I don't think that I can really say I'm sorry because sorry implies that I'm at fault. And that I did something wrong. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, do you think Brittany is going to sue you? Right. Like, I feel like this is a great opportunity to say sorry when you don't mean it, and it will be okay. It will be absolutely fine. <laughs> and what kind of moral standard are you holding yourself to? Right. Because you could you could absolutely, even if you don't feel it, say you're sorry. It'll right. make her feel better. That's the thing. You are making a moral stance to continue holding a grudge for no particular reason. This is it, right? Like, is paradise governed under mea culpa law? You know, like I throw myself before the mercy of the coconut court, uh, <laughs> before the under section C of the Buller Banquet Bill of Rights. <laughs> the bro code is to be enforced to the most toxic extent of its jurisdiction and all breaches of the code or any other example of boys dogging, might I add, mm-hmm. uh, thereof, mm-hmm. are punishable by way of having to post a rambling public apology <laughs> on Instagram months after the fact. We'll get to it. Uh, I will say that Mia Culpa doesn't show up until the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we then see the attempted apology. Cass gets some of the way there. Uh-huh. Uh, she and then, a, you know, yeah, go. She certainly doesn't get as far as I'm sorry. No. And then things really come off the rails when Brittany reveals that she and Galo have kissed again after the rose ceremony. Now, here's the interesting thing: is that they kiss and the cameras didn't catch it. <laughs> you know, like for someone to have to reveal that a kiss happened. But this is the second time with Galo and Brittany. No, but that's the thing. The first time was not captured on camera. Either. Yes. What's going on? What are I they don't doing? Know. Are they falling asleep at the wheel? Yeah. It's like a security guard in any movie. Turn on... It's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> like feet <laughs> up on the desk, like reading a newspaper. Yeah, Paul Blart Paradise Cop is here being like, mm, mm. well, no, Segway doesn't work on sand. <laughs> Just like, yeah, just fingers covered in like donut icing. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, yeah, okay, I missed him. What we hear is Cass in confessional say, It's Britney. Do you know what I mean? It's Britney, bitch. What the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What am I supposed to think right now? Gross. Next, Cass is the person to get a date card and she takes Garlo away for some time. So, in order for there to be like scandalous drama or whatever, this is what needs to happen. You know, like the show has made Britney the girl that nothing can ever happen to that is positive in any way. And I right. hate it. Her life just has to suck for all of us to enjoy or... Right. Well, I guess because it's providing some sort of catharsis or whatever that we're all like, oh, she's not catching a break. Like it makes her character more relatable or likable or whatever that she is not um, being treated fairly. <laughs> yeah. We're all the mistreated Britney bitch in this situation. Yeah, totally. You know? Like I understand that that's the character that they're painting, but it sucks that a human person has to go through it. Not to lean on this too heavily, but there is... Already a very mistreated Britney in popular culture right now. I don't think we need another one. Mm -hmm. 
Um, she this- has to date Tim. <laughs> That's who I'm talking about. Knew it. Hashtag free Britney. Yeah, we see next to nothing from the Cass and Garlo date. Oh, um, we see, but the best fucking thing happens. Talk is, to me. Well, Garlo has this incredible commentary because they go snorkeling, right? Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where it's, I don't know if it's just the rhythm of the episode or like maybe you're meant to be still like, you know, unwrapping your takeaway at this point or whatever and yeah. not noticing exactly what dialogue is happening but um Garlo is narrating the footage of them going snorkeling and he says all I had to do is look underneath the water and I could see all of the different colors of the coral <laughs> and then I'd be surprised by how many fish were down there and I was like wow look where we are <laughs> 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 this is like a little bit later in the episode we get a uh confessional from second britney mm. uh who talks to us about how a roller coaster works oh i love that this That's is great. just like this is this picture painting that we adore from these pa- these painters yeah. on these dates and you know? it is helpful as Linguists. someone genuinely who does not go outside very often <laughs> And as, like, more of the country, I guess, goes into stricter lockdowns and yeah, stuff, yeah. it's good to be reminded of, like, where are the fish and coral? Yeah. What does a How roller do coaster I get to do? Yep. And, yeah, it's uh, the show is really feel? providing an incredible community service. It's, it's beautiful. And here's the other thing that we learn. Uh, where are the cold sores? How do you get them from <laughs> kissing Britney? And what is the implication that she has STIs all about, Cass? I don't remember this part. Okay, so... I must have missed it. So, uh, Cass and Jacko are seated on the beach, mm. and Cass asks Jackson if he has cold sores from kissing Brittany. Okay, so that's it. Yes. <laughs> just, they just flat out ask. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, the the implication is you have herpes. Right. Because she has herpes. And it's, I guess, like a slut-shaming thing? Yeah. Being like, you are so much of a slut that you are diseased yeah. or whatever? When I was in high school, though, I had two friends who had a falling out, a genuine true falling out, because um, one of them came in and said, oh, did you hear that this girl has herpes? Mm. And the other girl was like, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Meaning she's got her pee plates. <laughs> Wait, so what's the falling out about? The falling out was that this girl then went back to her friend and was like, girl two said about girl three that it was cool that you had herpes. <laughs> so then, and what? so they were like, it's, no, beef. it's not. It's a big trauma in my life. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, no, 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 no. I thought, about the, I thought it meant the car thing. <laughs> How'd you get trauma from learning to drive? Right, exactly. And so this was this... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's incredible. Mean stuff. Mm. Mean stuff from Cass, who also receives the first question at this week's Bulla Banquet. We need a sting. I mean, it sucks that this show is about to end, but we need like a... <laughs> The the stingier we can get, the better for the Buller Banquet, in mm. my opinion. Mm. This is, um, you know, this is our fifth or sixth one. Can we just assess the trope? How's it working for you? Look, I mean, it's doing what it's meant to, right? Pretty yeah. Much. I, it's pretty formless, I think. Yeah. Um, because either they're all sitting down at a table or they're all kind of standing around at a cocktail party or whatever. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't seem to be a huge difference. Yeah. But I like the question box. 
Um, and I like, I think it probably in a way just makes it easier for them to like wrangle and edit and make sure that everyone's staying on one topic. Right. And structure an episode for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Gives and, you a point of conflict. Right. Yeah. I don't mind them introducing a new like um, chapter, you know, um, because the things like having a rose ceremony and things like having a cocktail party create a set of expectations about the things that are going to happen, Yeah, which makes the show very digestible and very enjoyable just in terms of the structure of a TV show. Like, and especially when um, it is on our TV screens four nights a week and we are shaping our lives around it right. in, in a manner of speaking. Um, it's pretty good. I think the rhythm of having like one Buller banquet one night and then a rose ceremony the next night, um, off and on in that sort of way. It's not working out that way every single time, but I think like it creates that's roughly it. Something to look forward to or fear <laughs> in every episode. Right, on the off nights. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I guess that's true. It does become a really effective device of storytelling and it produces a great deal of drama. I question whether or not it's something that I want to see like I'd be more open to seeing it three times in a season rather mm. than seven. The thing is, like, I am in favor of it structurally because it is a new thing. Yeah. Uh, and because it is a counterweight to a rose ceremony. Yeah. But the focus on conflict and drama um, and, and you know, the ways that it is manufactured in the show yeah. is inherently an element that I need from the show, but not necessarily the element I'm always looking for from the show. Totally. And a lot of the time I'm like, I wonder if we could have squeezed in another nice date with people having fun. Right. Or exactly. Something like that, you, you know, know? Like or as everything we get is to being later, edged out. Yes. Like a beautiful expectation of boundary setting. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, it just takes time away from those moments of intimacy and privacy that can lead to, um, really cool nice stuff but then also it's like we're in paradise it's we're shooting for like three four weeks and some of that stuff seems pretty hokey anyway yeah and if they have to fake that stuff like if they try and make it look like relationships are happening that stinks a lot oh that's even worse and i would rather them have to fake drama or like manufacture a situ a tense situation or whatever mm. and talk things out in a group mm. than that it's true and like it has given voice to particularly a lot of women this season to be sure. able to stand up for themselves within the like accepted parameters of what the show wants from them. Yeah. You know, uh, and I wish that societally we, we were in a position where it was like, no, fucking say what you want at any time, but mm -hmm. like on a TV show like this and in, uh, um, in a framework like this, the Buller Banquet is effective in letting, Alicia and Renee really have a voice mm. around some of the toxicity mm. that that plays out in these episodes. And especially, I think, because as you are in a couple, or, you know, people who are yeah. in a couple will naturally sort of blend into the outsides of the focus of the show. Totally. And so it allows them to, while not maybe directly being the focus of the episode, for their style yeah. of narration or perspective yep. to still be influencing uh, the discussions and, and the way the episodes play out. So the first question here is for Cass. It is, how was your date and are you together? I love this. It's great. It's a great, just like down the line, great, perfect 
First question. Overall, I think there were some really uh, pertinent and effective questions that the Buller Box has brought out. I think the Buller Box is definitely my favorite invention of the season. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so she basically responds by putting Garlo on the spot. She, Cass says, we're not together. Oh my God, wait, are we? <laughs> Real, just a huge deflection. Like, I'm choosing not to answer this question. And so we commence round two of Brittany being beholden to the whims of an indecisive man. Mm. Garlo says that he is, quote, leaning towards Cass after previously having lent towards Brittany. He's swaying back and forth. Is he like a, a rickety bridge on the way to Terabithia? What's <laughs> going on here? You know? It does make me think that maybe Brittany would have been better off with the tree. The literal tree, <laughs> the which, tree. yes, sways back and forth in the wind, but also... Like, you never know whether, or you never question where the tree's loyalties that lie. tree, it stays in one place. It's hers. Yeah. Mm. Um, look, so it's good. Objectively, I think that Galo is being honest. Yeah. Uh, but his honesty is not necessarily helpful for Brittany in this situation. It's tricky because I think we forget because there was a gap between the airing of these episodes, but I have a feeling he got there like two days ago. Yeah. And I think a lot is being required of him Uh I want to say narratively, but even in terms of just the interpersonal yeah, totally. relationships of everybody. Right, right. Where it's like, please make up your mind already. And he's like, I, I don't fucking know. Like, you know. Yeah. That's the kind of the vibe I get. Although maybe you could argue that like by coming to paradise, you are agreeing to make these kinds of decisions quickly. Right. Uh, and so maybe he should step up or whatever. But, you know, I want to cut the guy some flack. Right. Eventually he does step up but i think mm. the thing in this situation is like him not stepping up is what creates the drama yes you know like him allowing himself the time to be indecisive and behaving like you would in a normal i mean i don't think that i've ever been in a love triangle no i don't i mean no I don't, no mm. but like behaving as you would as a normal human being in a situation where you were like weighing the interest of like how you might proceed mm. I'm it thinking is- about fucking guitar pedals or some shit where I'm like, <laughs> I could get this one. Can I get this one? <laughs> I think Spoiled it is funny the that the, the model that the show seems to present as like the most desirable, the most yes. ideal. And like, this is a very good relationship by all accounts. It seems to be working very well. But like um, Alicia and Greg yeah. seeing each other instantly deciding that they want to be a couple and yeah. then just being a couple the whole time. It rules. It rules. But it's also like, that's not how it always works. No. And like, if Jackson is taking two days to work out which one of these other women he, he is more suited to, that doesn't mean he's doing a worse job of being a, a relate. Like, no, it just means that anything, Alicia and Greg happened on this magic chemistry. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And like, it, you can't expect that will happen for everybody and what he's right. doing is like weighing his options considering right. his choices and like sure jake ellis tried it with eleanor and he thought it might happen <laughs> simply did not we could say the same thing about jamie but the pendulum swings again as Brittany and galo connect they play footy then up on the beach sure Galo says look, that there's tons of beach around. <laughs> like, wow, they made it all the way I to the can't beach. They got all the way down there. Mm. Um, are they going to get back? <laughs> they got a map. Why is there no treasure hunting on Bachelor? Yeah, Paradise? yeah, there really should be an aspect of X marks the spot, doesn't it? What if they? Because that that's in Survivor. Yeah, where like you can sorry just fuck off for a while and be like, yeah, I'm looking for the idol. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why, why do they do that here? Just Looking be like, for the immunity. Oh, the immunity idol of paradise is pretty fun. Because here's the thing. You stand to benefit so much from staying with your 
person who you're coupled up with or the other people if you're not coupled up. Yes. And trying to make a relationship work or whatever. But if you could just go rogue and just be like, listen, uh, it's not, I'm not, I don't have the interpersonal <laughs> skills to handle these big group settings. Yeah. This isn't like, not. I'm not getting a rose from anyone this week, mm. but if I can idle someone out of their rose. Right. Yeah. I can't, the, the rose blocker or something like that. <laughs> rose nullifier. Yeah. I'm here for it. Uh, yeah, so Gallo decides that now he's kind of, he's into Britney. They're on the beach. He says that he doesn't know if Cass is genuine. And just because you're in a relationship, it doesn't mean you are supposed to stop having fun, does it? Mm. What kind of relationships do you think that this man has been in? <laughs> what does he assume that everyone else's relationships are like? Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a whole worldview in that and sentence. And why did he come onto Bachelor in Paradise, the show <laughs> where you form relationships? If he was like, do you know what? They're not fun. Jackson Garlic, noted hater of fun. <laughs> man who does not like to have a good time and party. <laughs> I mean, I don't know much about him, but that seems to be the vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a nice, fun, sem- seemingly responsible party boy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Brittany says, the most romantic, does this mean you're pursuing me, I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. So beautiful mm-hmm. to hear. Like, you can see the love hearts in her eyes as totally. she's saying that. And they kiss. They and just it's nice. get right into it. Yeah. It's pretty good. Look, we're two days into Gala's journey in paradise, and he's hooking in again, and it is... Just lovely. Yeah. It's so nice to see a little win for Brittany. It does mean that Galo has to um, go and break up with Cass. And look, she's cruel again in confessional. There's been a lot of backlash against Cash. Ca- oh, I'm, n- I'm <laughs> never going to say that again. From a lot of the members of the cast. Mm. I was seeing the other CA word up in my future. Backlash against Cass from the cast. Oh, I see. You I see? understand. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was looking at the phonetics of that. I was trying to think ahead and I was like, I'm going to get there with this. And then my tongue betrayed me. Well, your tongue took Much a trip to the future and your brain was still sitting in the present, or perhaps vice versa. Not unlike the plight of Toothless Terry. Oh my God. Betrayed by true. his very own tongue. <sighs> well, you know, the, that's the thing. When you're toothless, the tongue is kind of all you've got. <laughs> so you have to <laughs> keep a good relationship it's your one with one weapon. Thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my grandma's name's Terry. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's Hi, lovely. Tez, shout She's out. A huge fan of the podcast. Listening to the pod every week. Never misses <laughs> it. Never watch the TV show. Just loves to support the boys. Uh, look, Nana Terry would never dog the boys. No. And, uh, Fuck no. Someone that's how else she got to where she is today. Yeah. Who? Someone else who would never dog the boys? Let me tell you. <laughs> Alex and Kira and also Keely. Mm-hmm. Keely did not get a triangle. chance to dog the boys, unfortunately. Zero dog and a boys from her. But uh, I tell you, Alex is not feeling it with Kira. Mm. So this is this is yeah, the most surprise, confusing surprise. Who could have predicted that this <laughs> is not a perfect match? But the way that it works out is so bizarre. Mm. So, like, uh, he's very kind about Kira in confessional. Um, he says that she is a bit much and that he wants his space. Mm. Yeah, and he kind of says, like, the way that he explains it to her is by saying, like, I think I want to step away. I think maybe we should just take a breather and, like, get a bit of fresh air or whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel like he could be a little bit clearer because what, what seems to happen to me is that Kira 
decides that she's gonna like willfully misinterpret this. Yes. Uh, and and she's like, oh, cool. Okay, I'll see you in ten minutes. So basically, what happens is like exactly as you say. Maybe hypothesis. He's toothless, Terry, because he simply can't get the words out, Dave. Oh, that's true. You Here's know, the thing about Alex actually is that he seems to be just like a nice dude, like a but kind of like a little bit too nice for his own good in a way, or like. Um, I see a lot of myself in him in the in a conflict situation. Yeah. He is quite passive, I guess. And um it, it, to to the degree that it seems like he is being swayed by forces that are a little stronger than he is. I understand that. And the way that that manifests is that like when it's time for him to say something difficult, he's not really able to get it out he's aware that he needs to be saying something difficult and i think he probably even feels like he is doing it yeah and it's just not quite connecting but the way yeah exactly the way that it comes out is he's just made a huge meal out of it you know he chews it up and spits it out Mm. uh gets it stuck right up there in his gob it's got a weird mouthfeel save well this is such a mouthfeely episode it just you know there's a lot of (laughs) to it (laughs) a lot of gob here on the bachelor of Mm -hmm. hearts podcast so the other contestants are describing kira at this time as being possessive of alex and all of a sudden there's a new kid in town Mm. enter keely uh who in fact has never been on the show before well (laughs) that's it's not entirely true it's this weird thing that they're trying out where they're bringing in people from the outside (laughs) world uh who have not been involved in the franchise before in any way it's actually quite revolutionary and i adore the concept (laughs) Uh, I have to break something to you, Max. Mm, please. Um, she was actually on the show for many, many <gasps> seconds. Tell me more. Tell me more. So, Keely, I feel a bit bad because, like, she didn't ask for this. No. And it's, a, it's, all, it's, it's a bit surprising that she was skipped over. Yeah. Uh, she was in uh, the premiere episode of Matt Agnew's season of The Bachelor. The Bachelor Australia season five, episode one. Um, Would have been season... Eight, I want to say. Eight seasons of The Bachelor. Something like that. Christ. Am I crazy? Nah, probs not. Okay. Season five was Matty J. Fuck. There's been a lot of Batch, folks. <laughs> anyway, look. Keely Wheelie didn't get much time uh, in Matt's season. Wheelie? Not even really. You said Wheelie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was literally not on screen for longer than... I, I counted like three shots. And one of them was out of focus. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like it's great that she got brought back mm-hmm. and I was excited to get to know her a little bit better and we saw some more shots of her and some of them were in focus and, um, you know, she even got a little in the moment. I think maybe she popped up a couple of times. Oh, definitely. She was involved in the conflict. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll talk about how she's involved in the conflict. A lot of drama, babes. Get she used to it. not make it through the app. It's really unfortunate. I really liked Keely. There's more to come on her. Mm. Um. Kira willfully mispronounces her name in much the same way as that she willfully ignores what Alex wants. <laughs> I'm going to say it. This is the best bit Kira has done all season. I liked a different bit from this episode and we'll get there, but it is a good one. So I think just the way that she has committed to it throughout mm-hmm. the whole... Mm. It's like how some people online have been committing to calling Greg... Glenn. Oh yeah, that's so weird. Which I think is really funny because <laughs> he just called himself that once. <laughs> I like that. I was like, 
Yeah, look, it's a good joke. It's the same joke that we've done on the podcast, but it's not my favourite joke. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, look, so... She calls her Kelsey. She calls her Kelpie. <laughs> she calls her Carl at one point. She calls her Kelly Dawn, which yes. is interesting. <laughs> Weird. We're at the Buller Banquet, and we see that Kira has written a bunch of questions for herself <laughs> to answer. That's great. I mean, This why is not? my favorite bit that she does. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is fun, Kira. Yeah. This is like uh, Kira not specifically putting anyone down and kind of just like fucking around and having fun in the format. Right. This is, yeah, exactly. And she's like, I would like to get some more screen time. Yeah. Perhaps I could ask myself some questions. She is eating it up, these episodes. <laughs> Yeah, she's great. Like in this in this format, she's really really good. And the format in which she was presented in the last couple of episodes, simply no good. Yeah, you know. Um, and there's no distancing yourself from how you act in those moments. However, looking at it, you know, objectively, I think that we can say that in this situation, pretty fun from Kira. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Kira has also written some questions for Keely and for Alex, just to see where things stand. I think she wrote a question for Kelsey or something. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, <laughs> someone's going to read this out, but I don't think they're here. Right. Uh, Keely comes off really well when she's asked if she would be willing to break up an existing couple. The answer mm. that she gives is so honest. She's like, it's paradise. Yeah. Maybe not on the outside world, but if there's a couple that's sort of not here for being a couple... Mm. I'd be interested in exploring something. And also, like, I, there's no chance that she made the decision to show up a couple of days before the end. Right, like, right. She was put into this position, and so it's her only option. She's like, I understand the premise of the show. Right. Let's Because talk. that's the thing. If you arrive at Bachelor in Paradise on day one, then you have, like, eight to ten people to choose from. Yeah. As well as a pretty fair shot at the next few people who come in. Yeah. If you come in at this point, you've got, like, two people to choose from. Limited options right and, so and it's not bachelor in, in paradise at that point right it's just like two tinder dates in one night <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean right right also alex is really honest about his intention to take keely on a date over kira uh and then he really steps in it by asking the group to say something nice about keely <laughs> after glenn has just finished like he said a sonnet about alicia <laughs> yeah because it's like the question and it's a great question. It's just like, uh, people who are in a couple, what's your favorite thing about your partner or whatever? What's right. one thing about your partner that you like? And I'm like, finally, the show is this thing <laughs> that I wanted to, to hear. But the nice version where nobody argues. Right. Whatever. We right. get it for a few seconds. I think Greg is doing a good job. He's amazing. Yeah. He's like, he, he is Keats in this moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's or one of those other fucking, um, who's that writer that I hate? Who's that uh, guy that I don't like? Mm, you know the it. real, mm. like... Um, what do they write? Fucking pretentious, Who? shitty hipster novels. Uh, hey, Bukowski. Let's pick that. Let's okay. pick that name out of a hat. Mm. Uh, anyway, oh, Kiki. I don't think you can say that because Bukowski's a big fan of the pod. <sighs> Charles, I think. Kiki Bukowski. <laughs> That's like a chicken. Mm. Kiki <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kiki is really fabulous in this moment. Kira gets upset and she storms off and Kiki's like, okay, do you know what? I'm taking Kira away for a pep talk. 
She says, remember who you are, girl, Kira Dan Maguire. And as much as I've not really enjoyed Kira as a TV character on this season, like we all need a friend like Kiki in this moment. Totally. And I was really like, yes. Yeah, I think I've had pep talks and definitely overheard pep talks like that where it's like, I don't even know if that person really means it like yeah. in their heart of hearts, but like it's the right thing to do and the right thing to say at that moment. And like, you know, nobody deserves to be having the bad time that it looks like Kira's having. Right. And like, I've pulled you aside multiple times and said, remember who you are, girl, Kira Dan Maguire. <laughs> that's right. And that's how I am the boss bitch of Australian <laughs> reality TV. No, sorry. You're not just the queen babes. You run this shit. <laughs> that's right. I do both of those things. And where do I find the time? <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> the next day, Kira pulls Alex aside. This line is iconic. She says, can you go on this side, please? It's my good side. <laughs> really good. Truly good. She She's like, a angles. girl knows her angles. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Alex says, this is probably not going to work. And Kira says, I'm so confused by how Alex thinks that he's dumping me. <laughs> and we hear from Alex in confessional being like, I tried to dump her two days ago. I can't, <laughs> don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> And then Kira owns it. She says, I need someone a bit more emotionally intelligent than you. Mm. I'm very emotionally intelligent. And I just don't think that you're emotionally intelligent enough for me. Alex says, maybe I am. I'm glad we had this chat. He's just smiling. He's like, okay. All right. All right, then. Let's. We're going to put a bow on this thing. We sure are. We're mm. going to wrap this up. You're going to say what you need to say, and I'm just going to keep on smiling right through. Mm. Later on, uh, Kira is stirring shit in front of Keely. She says that Alex has promised her a rose. She has 100% spun this man around in 100 tiny circles. She calls him a little dweeb in confessional. <laughs> uh, as a podcast host uh, who is a little dweeb, I think it's nice. Yeah. I think it's nice to have some representation yeah, on the TV. Dweeb vis- visibility is a big thing. Absolutely. Oh. Do you know that band Dweeb City? <laughs> I know Dweebzel Zappa. <laughs> yeah, Dweeb plays his dad. Dweebza. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to Dweebza today. That's Me not- too. <laughs> I'm doing terribly. Um, You're doing terribly? I think so. No, I don't think so at no, all. Just struggling. No, remember who you are, babes. Kira Dan Maguire. <sighs> Game on, molds. <laughs> uh, so Alex has like tried to explain to Kira over and over in his own mealy mouthed way that like this is over, and he's trying so hard to be mm. nice. Mm. And Kira is just playing four dimensional TV chess with him. Yeah, it's it's so fantastic to watch. And this is exactly uh, what we said about Kira and Connor last week. It's fantastic to watch a powerful woman do cool shit on TV. Sure, totally. Because Alex just does not have that much of an idea really of what his agency is in this moment. No, I don't I don't get the impression. I mean, he seems like he is not in the wrong in any way. He's no. like just being a sweetie. Yeah. Basically, but something bigger than he can comprehend is going on. Yes, right exactly, right? There's just so much happening in front of his face and he's like she seems she seems reasonable. Yeah. He's like, this oh. Is, I don't, I okay. mean, I, I'm not interested in her, but her plight to get a friendship rose from me is definitely a strong. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. a strong one. Mm. Um, also, lol at Cass trying it on here with Alex. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the thing. 
that kind of happens towards the end of most of these seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. Right. Which is just the scramble. Uh, and it's a bit odd, I guess, because we know we're very close to the end and I'm starting to wonder what's actually motivating people. That's, yeah. So I guess Cass is hoping that, like, I don't know, Jamie because she said back through the doors or some shit. Right, that's like, the thing. You... They don't know that it's ending this week. No. But they must have a feeling that it's coming up. The clock's ticking because you've been in paradise for a while. Right. Um, Cass decides that she actually has been into Alex since the start. And she just didn't get a chance to bring it up all those times that they've talked or hung out for several weeks on television up until now. Now, listeners, I was shaking my head through that whole through that whole spiel that Xavier was giving. Mm. I just want to give you an example of what that sounds like. Okay? Just so you can you can just so you know truly what a favor I did you. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Cass was just really she was just really not that interested in Alex all along, was she? It's pretty good. That's pretty bad. I mean, I was no, really but really shaking my head. Well, here's the thing. We recorded in mono, so that won't work. Oh, Christ. But I am a sophisticated podcast creator. You knew what I was trying. And so, therefore, I will have gone in in post, panned it from left to right, and I was watching closely, and I memorized when you were going left and when you were going right. Thank you. So, I will recreate it in incredible detail. I truly appreciate that. So, what you've just heard, listener, took hours and (laughs) hours of work. Oh, magic behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, it ends up with Alex having to choose between... Uh, Keely and Kira and Cass um, look there. And I should say, this is the only dr- like dramatic hook of this rose ceremony. Yeah, episode two is entirely undramatic. Everything else is completely set in stone right. leading into this rose ceremony. It's not much. And I think that makes me doubt because he ends up picking Kira. Right. In what is a bit of a surprise, what surprised both of us. Yeah. Gives me a little bit of doubt about the veracity of this relationship. Alex is a nice man, but he's an unconvincing romantic lead, mm. I think, for, for television purposes. And then the other thing is, like, if you you have to choose between Keely and Kira and Cass, you're on the verge of white supremacy in a consonant sense, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. There's just there's too much of that sound. Oh, my God. And we've got Kieran as well. That's right. I... I'm having trouble with this season. There's, I'll be honest. Yeah, there's a there's a whole lot going on. We do hear from Keely in Confessional, who says that Kira wants her to feel intimidated, but she flatly refuses. And go off, Keely. I was like, I was really impressed with her in these yeah, episodes. Totally. Yeah. She's like, Kira wants me to back off, and you know what? I don't want to. Yeah. For I'm a, like, great for a one episode arc. Yeah. Give it to me. Or two-episode arc? Was mm, she on the previous one? Simply couldn't tell. So hard to tell. Don't know. Mm. I think it was two. Ultimately, surprisingly, that dweeb does, in fact, give Kira his rose. And it's uh, it's an RIP to Keely. She shone too bright for paradise. Mm. She wore a great dress. Two great dresses. She had good eyebrows. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still don't know anything about her, so whatever. And it's a see you never to Cass. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do like a, a rigor mortis? <laughs> Not what I mean. You said the word I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to do a stiff corpse on gas. <laughs> okay. I don't know what... <laughs> anyway, now we shift uh, our attention on to Renee and Matt with detours into Kieran 
and Kiki and Tim and Matt and Alicia. This is the messiest part of is the this episode. Is this just misc? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty much misc, but it falls under the banner of Renee and Matt because I guess that's where the tension stems from. Sure. We pick up at the Buller Banquet where Renee is asked a curly question by Tim about whether her hooking up with Matt is simply an act of revenge against Kieran. Hmm. Renee assures Matt that she's here for the right reasons. She even says it. Yeah, she says the magic words. We love to hear them. And Matt reciprocates. He talks about how strong Renee is for dealing with a hard couple of months and sitting through so much bullshit. And then we hear him also address the double standards of paradise in confessional adding. And I'm supposedly a dog for hooking up with a single girl. Mm, Interesting. Poignant. Matt is kind of crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, there's a little bit later where I'm kind of like, is Matt crushing it? But right. on the whole, I think Matt does a good job. I think what I mean is at this point, Matt is kind of crushing yes. it. Yes. And um, Matt gets into a situation a bit later. <laughs> he sure Matt does. Matt gets into a situation in which there are no winners, I think. None. We'll get there. Yes. Matt digs into Kieran with this question. Be honest. Has anyone sitting here ever cheated on an ex? Which comes off sounding like a DM that someone would send to like Depot drama on Instagram. Have you have you seen this account? No, I don't know this account. Do you know Do you know Depop? Yes, I do know Depop. Okay, cool. So Depop drama is this account where people talk about like weird shit that people have sent them in the Depop DMs. Right. This one I saw earlier today, where this girl says, "If you haven't done anything weird at parties, sex slash kissing slash taking a number two then I am willing to pay, but please be honest about what you did in this dress first. Be honest, babe. XX. No, so you won't buy a dress that's been pooped in? Yeah. Not like pooped in. No, 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 no. But like being used in the process of pooping. That's wild. People poop all the time. I know. You think about like... Imagine only wearing clothes. Imagine... Never pooped in. How fresh your wardrobe would be. What, like, would you have to... I don't know how that works. Would you have to change into your, like, poop pants before you go to the bathroom? (laughs) Well, you're not allowed to wear poop pants. That's the thing. (laughs) You would... Every time you pooped, you would have have to throw throw out your clothes. Christ. Or you could poop naked. Maybe that's it. That's probably the solution. The workplace is, um... I mean, that workplace is spicy. (laughs) KFC. Kiki is asked, how do you feel about the fact that Kieran has been intimate with another girl in paradise? And she responds by saying, I would never be with a person who would mislead me or withhold information. So what's happened here is that I think that Kiki has misinterpreted the question as being about Renee. Right. Yeah. You know, like Kieran has been intimate with Renee because they were in a relationship for a long time. Sure. But at this time, right, someone who is in paradise. Yes. Has been intimate with him at some point. Right. Instead of. No, he fucking fucking did this just a second ago. Right, right. So what we're uh, seeing now is that Renee and Alicia are whispering to each other at the end of the table because they're realizing that Kiki has no idea that Kieran and Jess slept together. And so the next thing we see is that Kieran tries to address the whispers before he eventually storms off. Yeah, it's this is a commonplace thing from Kieran that we've seen this season. We saw it last season uh, for for Angie's Bachelorette as well. Yeah, there's next a conversation between Kiki, Kieran, and Alicia, 
I want to note we're still under the Renee and Matt umbrella of narrative ambiguity here. Right. Because this is still like tangentially tied to Renee and Matt. Yeah, I guess. But basically, Kiki is is mad at Alicia for whispering about her at the Buller banquet. Right. But what she's mad about is that Alicia knows this like amorphous chunk of information that she herself doesn't know. Mm. And it absolutely behooves Kieran not to tell Kiki about this. Mm. And so he just stands there and lets them fight. Yeah, totally. He is so uh, passive here until men start getting involved, in which case he suddenly knows what to do. It's so it's so strange, and like I like I get it from Alicia's sense because like there are moral, moral considerations with telling someone that their partner has done a shady thing before mm. they got together. Yeah, I think she's coming from a good place, and um, but it's also it's somewhat of an overstepping of a boundary, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, like there's moral, but there's also like self preservation mm. and rational conflict avoidance reasons as well you know um like try telling someone that you're arguing with a shocking secret about their personal lives and you tell me how it goes yeah totally yeah anyway uh it goes away eventually they sort of resolve it and alicia sits down and laughs and it's at this time that kieran turns around and says what's funny and i think she does a quite good job of saying I'm not laughing because it's funny I'm there's a lot of tension and this is how I'm sort of dispelling that personally it's how I deal with these types of things and Kieran is not satisfied with that explanation well, yeah I want to be really clear about it it's a threat you know I don't want to make any considerations to the contrary mm. he is threatening Alicia and in his intention in asking that question mm. is to intimidate and to impose and to make her scared right. and you know, we can address the emotional uh, situation, manipulation mm. of his decision to not tell Kiki about Jess later on. But at, at the point at which this is starting to play out in your production, mm. I think this is where you bring in security. It's a or, great moment to step in. Yeah, like you try to actively de-escalate the situation. We yeah. don't see it. Doesn't Whether it doesn't not, happen, but well, yeah. yeah, you know, like it's hard. And the question is like, is it security or is it even just like handlers or you know producer intervention right because you can create a situation where it's like hey we need to get some like in the moment footage or you know yeah well i don't know mate where was the big pink inflatable flamingo at this point at this point in time pop Where's that Brittany in there in the pool probably still that? inflating yeah but like you know distract them <laughs> and like i'm aware like it's it's reality tv and i'm living out the soapboxed masturbatory convenience of being a white man with a podcast Mm. you know um for that reason obviously they would never call security right um or have some sort of producer intervention but a boy can dream right yeah of course yeah the situation though uh does boil over it gets considerably worse much worse yeah matt decides that he wants to confront tim about stirring the pot Right. So the other side of this is that Tim has been like broed up with Kieran. They've been, uh, what do you call them? Birds of a feather, peas in a pod. Yeah. And they've been justifying each other's actions. And yeah. They're ideologically aligned. Mm. So Renee says, please don't engage with Tim. 
but he does it anyway. Right. And this is a situation where, like, I appreciate the discourse that Matt stood up for himself this week, and I think that's true, Mm -hmm. and I think that's cool that Matt stood up for himself. But Matt, I also want to flag, has the option to disengage before it becomes what it becomes. Yeah. And that's difficult to do, like, particularly if someone is saying bad shit about you and particularly particularly if that person is behaving like a drunk fuckwit yeah and also if it seems like um maybe you are the only person who is taking that active role in stopping something worse from occurring right um because if there's any uh risk of things turning violent you don't want to uh i mean there's a real temptation to continue to provide some kind of defense yeah um rather than just leave i don't know it's like i mean the i'm not justifying it no the i the song alice that we used to play in our band right Mm. um a hands up for being a hypocrite like that song is about how much the same i've had a difficult time in situations not quite like this but like being at backyard parties and being much younger now and being mouthy and saying the wrong thing at the wrong time to some drunk doorknob in Marrickville, Mm. you know, and the only thing that you stand to gain in that situation is that is escalation. Yeah, it's true. Kieran's not in a position where he's going to hear your side of the things and then back down and change his mind. Neither is Tim. Neither is Tim. And I mean, neither is Matt really. Right, right, right. Even though he is, more aligned with our perspective on this situation. Sure, we might take his side in the quote-unquote fight, but right. at the same time, like I don't necessarily think that there should be one. It's a zero-sum game. Yes, thank you. L- much like Uno. <laughs> in what way? Um, no, we don't have to drill suffer. down. Suffer! <laughs> That's how. That. Anyway, uh, it's a recipe for nothing but escalation, and uh, escalate it does as we see Matt confronting Tim anyway, and Tim giving the most glassy-eyed, half-standing-up confessional of the entire paradise. Like, everyone is pissed as a pot plant. Oh, for sure. In this episode. Mm. like Someone get Jared on the line? Someone get Jared on the line. Like, everyone has just copped a little bit too much foot juice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's not to make excuses for anyone, but it is to say that alcohol exaggerates your behavior and... You know, oh, releases your inhibition, feel the rain on your skin. I mean, honestly, we don't you, talk about that enough. Like the alcohol culture that this show propagates. Yeah, dog. Um, both in screen and also, uh, you know, outside of it as well. Um, it's messed up. We're a couple of he- hedonists. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like. Australia has got an interesting relationship with alcohol. We've got a weird one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you and I have sat here and had two beers and not a podcast. Yeah. What can we say? Right, nothing, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then this, the the confrontation. Uh, Tim calls Matt a dog. Uh, he says everyone in Australia will see that he's a dog and a rat. Now, I've seen a cat dog. I've seen a cat fish. Yep. I've seen... Hmm, that's that's about it. Okay. Never okay. seen a rat dog. I've seen a rat dog. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's a nice man. I used to work with him. Oh. Um, hit him where it hurts, Dave. He says that he has no mates in paradise. Rough. Oh, sorry. That was my rat dog. <laughs> <laughs> squeak, squeak. <laughs> Rough. It speaks to what Tim's big insecurity is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Like, tell me about it. To, uh, to be in a situation where you're like, 
and you've also got no friends <laughs> it's here in paradise. Juvenile. It's yeah. kind of like, well, hold on. What are you trying to take away? <laughs> are you trying to hit him where it hurts? Did Tim come here to make friends? It's really hard <laughs> to say. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Matt is telling Tim to keep going and to step up. And Glenn tries to step in. Who's that? Greg. Gotcha. I do apologize. Yeah. The yellow wiggle tries to step in. <laughs> he says, you're winding him up. And then it boils over in the end between Kieran and Matt, which is who the conflict is, quote unquote, between to begin with. Like, Matt is the person yeah. who is dating Kieran's... Sure, It's yeah. the person who, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of Kieran, mm. that's the person who I feel conflict with. And right. if I'm putting myself in the shoes of Matt, I feel, I guess, tension from both of them. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, Kieran keeps yelling at Matt to backpedal. He's like, backpedal. is funny because he's a bike guy. Right? Like, at least make it challenging for him. You know what I I mean? Like, uh, fakey 540, bitch. (laughs) Unicycle. (laughs) Bunny hop that shit. (laughs) Anyway, it uh, once again becomes the responsibility of Kiki to calm Kieran down. It sure does. It sure does. She's like, come on, we'll put you to bed. Yeah. At this time, still having no idea that he has rooted Jess. Yeah, true. But she's like, hey, listen, we're in this moment together. Like, come back down to earth. It's come just back you down. and me. It's we're just in you this and me. Moment. Here we are. And Jess. Christ. <laughs> and Kiki says, I'm so mad at Alicia. I'm sick of being made to feel like an idiot around you. Mm. Sorry. Who are you mad at then? Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's not Alicia's fault. Mm. Is there anything else that you need to tell me? And Kieran says, well, I fuck Jess. So this is, I mean, this scene is really badly edited together. Oh, yeah. It clearly takes place over the course of a couple of hours and it's edited down to like maybe 15 seconds. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, is there anything else? Like, is there anything else I might need to know? And then he goes, well, I fuck Jess. (laughs) And then instantly she is crying. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing because it is like kind of a messed up It's messed up, but the editing is funny. But they've... They've comically jammed this into the last, like, 45 seconds of the episode. Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, she's, like, in tears saying, how dare you? Yeah. This is very abrupt. It's, it's, you've made me feel so stupid. How dare you? You've embarrassed me. Hmm. We cut to Kieran in confessional who says, I still don't feel bad hooking up with Jess. I'm a 26-year-old lad, and if a carrot gets dangled in front of me, I'm probably going to bloody bite it. Hmm. So, who's the carrot? I think the carrot in this situation is the human woman, Jess. Right. I was wondering if it was Jess or if it was Kiki. Mm, The idea is that he has been with Kiki before. Of course. So Kiki is a carrot that he would have already metaphorically bitten. Right. Had a bit of a nibble, per se. Left at that point. That's right. And so you want, like, because obviously we all know, like, the front bit of a carrot is the only good bit. Yep. And what is up, Doc? So that's cool stuff from Kieran. Kieran is on a sucks. roll. He's really what a shit. Yeah, I I don't know. There's been there's been a lot of chat on the internet about how misled we were by Kieran. It feels like there's not a whole lot left to say about him, and we're kind of just reporting on more like grievances. It hurts for the same reason that Jules hurts, though, a little bit. You that's know, true. like I don't see myself in. Kieran as much as I see myself in Jules, mm. for example. Mm. However, I will say that f- 
for a man to be exhibiting traits that are a little bit more effeminate, a little bit more confident, a mm-hmm. little bit more do what you want than the traditional hetero argy bargy. Yeah, yeah. Was refreshing to see on the TV. Yeah. And he was in touch with his emotions and he cried. Yeah. And now it seems like it was all a sack of shit and I'm so sad about that. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't know what might have been influencing to him to behave like that for a while, but has now kind of gone away. Or I I feel like it's editing, to be honest with yeah. you. And the thing is, like in that situation, he was competing with other men for one woman, and in this situation, he's not competing for one woman. He's he's you know, competing for women, the whole of all of them, all of women. Yeah, just the, to just to the possess them and are. own them. Yeah. Tim posted an apology to Instagram. Did you see this? No, no. So what he said was basically like he's been getting some mean DMs from people who said that he was talking about women as if they were possessions. Right. And then he says... He said those DMs were mean. Yeah. He didn't say they were accurate. No, no, no. Okay, interesting. Yeah. He says that, no, I respect women. Ask any woman that I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. And then... He says, I will own up to being a child in some situations, though. Right. Like when he was younger? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's like, no, I will own up to being a dumb shit in... In that kind of in that kind of situation, like that's and such a cop out. Live and learn. <sighs> this is not like. So basically, in in the comments for this, Matt Wyatt responded to Kieran, and said, "Look, man, you came and apologized to me the next morning. There's no bad blood between us. We're sweet, mm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But what's not being addressed is the attitudinal stuff, mm. the thing that informs why it's okay that we're sweet between." Matt and Tim but why it's not necessarily okay that the reason that that fight began is because Kieran and Tim were so agitated that Matt had hooked up with quote Kieran's ex-missus you know like it, it, it doesn't speak to any of any of the real stuff right like this is the this is the important attitude, belief system. And for you to say, yeah, I was a child and I fought that man mm. is completely dismissive of what informed the argument, at least as it was presented on TV. Right. Which is I mean, like, I, I wonder if he's dismissing it or if he hasn't even considered it, you know, like... Um, sure. The impression I get is that to say... Oh yeah, I'm a shithead is a really easy way to feel like you are accepting culpability for a situation. Right. right. And to um excuse because like we know, you know, like Yeah. We get that part. But yeah. like you don't really get the sense that he is interrogating that behavior or those beliefs. No, he's like, I'm a dumb shit in these situations. Right. But I feel like by saying that, you give yourself permission to continue to be a dumb shit because you think that that's just part of who you are. Right, right. You're like, this is this gene that's inside of me. Yeah, or he I thinks have the it's dumb like baked gene. into the crust of like, oh, yeah, silly old Tim. Right. He's made another bloody mistake. Yeah. But it's like, you can fix that. Right. There's no reason not to look into yourself a little deeper and just, you know, course correct. This is the thing, you know, there's... uh, We talked about the song... Alice that we play in our band 
a little bit earlier, but there's a reason that I have not, um, you know, been punched in the face since that time, you know, mm. like, uh, at a certain point, uh, I don't know, maybe you have to be, um, real skinny and defenseless <laughs> <laughs> and get punched in the face to um to have to course correct and reconsider your actions. We are not advocating for someone to punch Tim in the face. Let us be perfectly clear about that. Flat no on that. We don't mm-hmm. want to do that. We want to de-escalate the situation here. Right, exactly. What I do want to do is say if you are addressing the like childish behavior without addressing the attitude that informs it, you're copping out. Yeah, totally. And fuck that. Go a bit deeper. The like the apology is insufficient and what I want to hear from you is, hey, I saw that and I understand a little bit more. I've thought about that. Yeah. And here's what I'm going to do to fix it. Yeah. And here's why it was wrong. Max, I'm so sick of talking about boys behaving Let's badly. Let's shitty, shitty other situations then because yeah. we've got plenty of them here on The Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> you know what's funny is like I love this podcast. It's like my, my, one of my favorite things A that I do. true joy. It really makes me so happy. And it is one of the only creative outlets that I have at the moment because yeah. of COVID and yeah. like all this sort of stuff. It's a great opportunity to catch up with you, my best friend Max. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. also, like, we just keep circling the same fucking drain of being like bad toxic boys. male behavior. Yeah. And I'm like, I wish the show didn't have to contain it every single week. Look, here's a nice one. Okay. Ready for this? Hit a me. really nice example of. Setting boundaries. Okay. I like this. This is great. This is wholesome relationship building stuff. Renee and Mac get a date card. I love it. Here's the thing, okay? In this episode, we need something to break it up. And it's kind of weird that a date card arrives, and I think it's for Matt, right? That's right. And I'm like, well, we know who Matt's going to take on a date. And then he takes that person on a date. And it's not like, ooh, who's it going to be? What's coming up next? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it's good. Like, it it sets the ground for, like, if they choose not to leave Paradise together, I understand why. Yes. But that's the thing. I want to see not just, obviously, couples being nice and having a nice time, uh, as much as that's very pleasant and enjoyable and, like, the Alicia and Greg of it all is wonderful. I also want to be here for conversations. I'm so happy to see you happy. Of course. I also want to be here for conversations around like how we make relationships work and yeah. what it means to be in a relationship and um, how relationships are different in the world of The Bachelor and the world of uh, the world. And all these types of things are all super interesting. Right. And so what happens in this situation is that Renee's trying to set expectations with Matt around intimacy. So right. she uh, says to Matt, I'm an affectionate person, but I do need to make sure that we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say, like, I could see a situation playing out in which maybe the relationship doesn't last or that they're not, you know, as as quite as simpatico is Matt says, what is that page? I'm ready to move forward and go bang, bang, bang. And Renee sort of replies by saying, yeah, look, I just want to chill. Right. You know, and that's it's a lovely boundary setting. And it seems like. Matt has absolutely been respectful of Renee during this time and Renee's been respectful of Matt and that's cool. But if we're moving forward and saying, okay, cool, we want different things, that's also, you know, uh, part of the narrative process of relationships. And sometimes you meet people and you want different stuff and that's cool too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I I think this is also informed in part by the situation, which is to say that Kieran is a lingering presence. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, just 
geographically or whatever. He's a carbuncle on the backside of paradise. <laughs> the butt. Um, so, you know, I mean, like, partially it's just like, you know, I think they, they voice that maybe she doesn't want to move on whilst Kieran is still there. Totally. Which I relate to that thought, but also is like, just kind of makes me upset in a way. That oh, because like, Kieran has well and truly moved on. Right. He has moved on so quickly. And also he is just kind of like this looming presence of darkness. Yeah. Um, which I'm not in love with. Yeah. Um, I Have I mentioned that I'm not in love with Kieran? <laughs> I'm just out there. Yeah. It's like, he's like, he's teaching defense against the dark arts this semester. <laughs> you know, And he's yeah. like constantly watching over the children and mm. smoldering. Yes. It's so, yeah. I don't know. Like it is that, um, Intimidation. Yes. Yeah. And like like suppression by intimidation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sucks because we want to fall in love. Yeah, exactly. So we don't go bang, 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 but we do go on, on, on to the next couple in paradise. It's Tim and Britt. We go on, on, on. Yeah, on, on, on. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tim look, and Britt. Tim and Britt. Tim says, last night was chaos. Paradise is going to bring me unstuck. It's not bringing out the best in me. Hmm. I want to take Brit and leave paradise. So what we're seeing here is like, this is the self-awareness from Tim where he's like, oh shit, that wasn't good. Mm. Now. Okay. So what we're referring to obviously is the big blow up. Yes. Right. This happens after uh, the big confrontation with Matt. Escalating, cornering Matt and uh, making the situation much worse. Isolating him, telling me he has no friends, the whole bit. He hates Um, him. And it is presented in the show that he has had some second thoughts. Yes. And he wants to... He's decided the environment is no good for him because the environment is making him do these things, I guess. And so he has to leave. And Prit is also going to leave. Weird. My theory... Yes. And it is somewhat informed by, like, some gossip, I guess, which is basically just... The gossip is, like, he was difficult to handle on set. Uh-huh. Would you believe? Um, that the man who left to go to a wedding, I wonder how that, what (laughs) role that plays in it all. But it is interesting that like everything seemed to be okay when he was gone and then it got bad again and then he left again and then it was kind of a bit better again. Yeah. Um, but I mean the, the rumor has it that he was just being troublesome. And so maybe he was kind of politely asked to, uh, you know, maybe stop, we don't need that energy right school. now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that his exit was kind of a negotiated little like we're gonna make make it seem nice for you. Like you're not gonna leave uh, in trouble. Okay. Um, which I don't know. It, it stands to reason. I have no real reason to doubt it or to believe it. But yeah, like I have my questions about like the negotiated exit situation in terms of like I don't think edits are guaranteed to characters mm. or to, to contestants on the show. Mm. I want to call them characters because they're real fucking people. Yeah. You know, um, w- with that said though, like if Tim was at such a point where he was like, this isn't productive and I got to go, I respect that. Sure. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. You know, and if production was at such a point where they were like, this isn't working, you got to go. That's fine too. Yeah. And in fact, I respect that too. That's yeah. the kind of stepping in. Um, obviously we're talking hypothetically, but that's the kind of stepping in that we like to imagine 
can happen. Yeah. And it's not that he is an instigator in the, to the same level as someone like Charlie or whatever. No. Um, like, you know, he, you know, it's a, it's, it's a different situation, but you would hope that there is some kind of duty of care that's being exercised here. Right. Or even just like, well, you know, I mean, you and Brit aren't going to like split up and then find other partners or whatever. Yeah. So in terms of like what is actually to gain from sticking around... I don't know for sure. Right, right. So we just sort of see like Tim and Britt kind of meandering through paradise at this point. And yeah. We didn't what see do we Britt get? at all, I think, over the last episode. We nah. just touched our toes under the table. That's nice. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a real shame because Britt is kind of like the collateral damage and her screen time is the collateral damage of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's someone who I think that we probably wanted to get to know a bit better through this paradise experience because mm. she was just kind of, as everyone was on the Honey Badger season, written off right you know as a bit of a like um you know a, a b plot to this man's funny sayings yes absolutely yeah whereas you know unfortunately it seems like the same thing has happened where she has become a bit of a b plot to this like man with a lot of funny sayings who also happens to you know get in fights or love to stir drama right yeah and that is that's shitty i think the 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 key difference here is that in Angie's season, Tim was kind of presented as like this gentle soul. Yeah. You know, like this beautiful, a little bit artistic, um, sensitive-ish guy with a bunch of tattoos and a funny demeanor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas the more that we've explored it in Paradise, Mm. what's happened is that the veneer has been kind of stripped away. Yeah. Well, I think Tim has a has a inherent sort of natural like casualness yeah that i think when trying to um perform in a more formal setting yeah as i guess you would say bachelorette is yeah um gives him a lot of idiosyncrasies and gives him a lot of character yeah and, because you know, he's hell laconic bro right yeah and and that part of him shines through yeah no matter what like tuxedo you put him in or right whatever. right or red lobster paint or whatever yeah but in this situation it is so uh designed for um well it's designed to get him to react to different situations right and yeah. for those situations to concern mateship and to concern like emotions that are his but also not his mm. you know what i mean like whereas in uh that kind of uh bachelorette environment like mm. what are you ultimately worried about you're worried about angie you're worried about you and maybe you're worried a little bit about jamie mm. you know but also i think this environment um on a purely like uh what your day looks like kind of level yeah there's just a lot of like sitting out in the hot sun drinking all day yeah not having a lot of activities yeah kind of just like doing it Getting warped. I yep. feel like, I don't know, like... Getting warped. It's like a Hunter S. Thompson novel or something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, he ever, I don't know. I don't know how anyone actually makes the most of this. Really. Right, right. And it is like, it's right drunk at it sober. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a very strange format to be a part of. Mm. Anyway, uh, they leave holding hands. Britt says, I want to be with Tim. I love that he's done this and I want nothing more than to leave with him. Okay. All right. Great. See ya. Let's see. So they hold off. Uh, you, they hold hands walking off into the sunset. And that's the last that we see from Britt and Tim, which brings us to the final couple for this episode. All right. Mia and Scott. 
<laughs> oh boy. Oh boy, we finally get to talk about him. Quickly here, enter Mia, uh, who in fact has never been on the show before. It's this weird thing that they're trying, where they're bringing in people from the outside world who have not been involved with the franchise in any way. <laughs> now it's Max- actually quite revolutionary, and I adore the idea. <laughs> you raise a good point, which is that they had three random men, but they never had random women. Nope. I don't get it. There's, tr- there's a, The truth is out there with this is shit. Is there a like, shortage of men? I mean, no. I've, in my... In my day-to-day dealings, yeah. there are far too many. Far too many. Or is there a shortage of good men? Well, yeah. Goodman. I think... What about John Goodman? Let's put John Goodman on the show. <laughs> on the Australian put John Bachelor. Let's go on the show. He's great. He's yeah, fabulous. he's pretty good. What a joy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Mia was, in fact, on Richie's season, uh, and she becomes a thing with Scott from Ballina. All we know is that she's... Uh, Got some height about her. Yes. Tall. Yep. And also... Honestly, I hate this because, I mean, Bachelor in Paradise is not designed for me to just have physical attributes to talk about people. You know no, what I mean? of course not. That's what night one of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is about. Yeah, you're like it's tall, for me to go, red dress. Look at this guy's eyebrows. Yes. But here we are. Scott's been on the show for a few episodes now. Yeah. And I still, all I have to say about him is that he looks like Timon from Timon and Pumbaa. And that he's from? And he's from Ballina, of course. Which, of course, is good. And I like that. So, would you mean he looks like Nathan Lane? Or do you think that he looks like Timon full stop? No, he looks like Timon. Interesting. Nathan Lane isn't, like, there. No. (laughs) No, but I always pictured... I guess they're kind of similar. Like, if... Look, I'm not gonna... uh, I was about to say, if you gave... Nathan Lane a bit more of a meerkat look, which it's <laughs> kind of what they did. Yep. All right. Anyway. Uh, okay. Mary uh, warns Connor. Remember these two who are in the episode? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, that's the thing is that the really properly established couples, we don't really have to say It's so sad. Like, I mean, good for Mary and Connor. but And Mary also has my favorite thing to say in the episode where she says, uh, if Mia takes you away on a date, Connor, and you kiss her, I will... Chop your dick off. What? That's what she says. Did that happen? Yes. I don't remember that. Like, go off, Queen. <laughs> it's so good. You know, like, where my fuckless flock at? It's <laughs> really great. Like, uh, Snip Squad reporting for duty. Yeah. Yeah. You're not an intactivist. You're the opposite. Thing, <laughs> yeah. Not only should men be circumcised, but they should have their penises completely severed. This is it. Where my no dicky delegates at? <laughs> you know, where my. Squad. Where my at? We're here. We're here. We are legion. Anyway, I'm not joking when I say that Mia and Scott from Ballina get lost out to sea on a giant flamingo. That did happen. Xavier, do you think that's what happened to Harold Holt? <laughs> He's on that raft with the two of them. Yeah, out to out to out to sea at fucking Port Sea. Yeah, in regional Victoria. What Holt-y. was the date actually? Like, what was actually going on there? 1969. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know a lot about this. I I know more than I should. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what I've heard from a friend who's got family friends who were in the Liberal National Party. Sounds really sus. In the 60s and 70s. Well, is that um, Prime Minister Harold Holt might have had romantic leanings that were um, not looked favorably upon by the party. Really? And... So the story goes. 
I cut his dick off. <gasps> oh my god! And then threw him out to sea. Yeah. Well, kiss him, chop off the dick, throw <laughs> him back in the ocean. <laughs> oh, that's really good. That's great. You know, like we just give him the full Rex Hunt treatment here on the Bachelor of Arts podcast. Absolutely. Oh, dear Xavier, it does bring us to the end of another episode. Can you believe we'll do another one this week? Look, yeah, I mean, I feel a bit bad, actually, because we did such a great long episode with Katie, and now we're just, like, very swiftly releasing another one. Hey, why not? But you know what? This one will be swept under the covers pretty soon as we well. we got to pump it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then next week, is it next week the Batchy starts? So... There will be this episode. I feel like we're going to have to do another podcast about the Batchy finale. Oh, the tell-all. Because there's going to be a tell-all after night. the final rose thing on Sunday yes. night. Which we weren't invited to. Weird. I, don't, I wonder if anyone was invited. Is it live? We're going to do Zoomies? Oh, yeah. We'll figure something out. Mm. Um, and then Bachelor Begins. Yeah. We will be doing, hopefully, just one episode a week. <laughs> Back to your regular programming here on the BOH pod. And let me tell you, Zave, we did come here to make friends. Absolutely, we did. So uh, if you would like to become friends with us. Yes. I mean, I'm not guaranteeing it necessarily. I am. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a new friend wherever I can get one. Yeah. You know what? Actually, now that I think about it, I need friends. Pop, pop them in. In the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting Facebook group. Track us down on Twitter, at yeah. Pod. Yeah. Same place on Instagram. Not the same website. You'll figure it out. You know what to do. Uh, I'm at XavierRN. You can find me at, uh, at Kelly Slater. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, try, and, try and have a nice week. Listeners, don't get into any fucking fights. Don't. Oh, my God. Have you ever... What's the worst fight you've ever been in? Uh, well, I think I just described it to oh, you. you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One time... Um, I can't remember why, but I kicked someone in the balls. Yes. And I felt really bad and I immediately started crying. Oh my God. That's, that's, I mean, and that's then, completely you. No, but here's the thing. Then I had to be comforted for doing this <laughs> thing to someone. <laughs> which is like, it's such a Kieran, like having Kiki come up and be like, hey, there, there, sort of there, thing. There. Right? You're um, all right. Don't kick any balls. Oh, you can kick a soccer ball. <sighs> yeah, look. Kick all the balls you want here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Listeners, find us on the internet. We love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.